Thursday production. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And this week on the show, um, I'm looking to do something a little different, something that I haven't done yet before on uh, either of the shows. And I want to talk a little bit about sports. I know not everybody is into sports and, you know, maybe not everybody is a huge uh, local sports person. And so you might not even know who I'm talking about, but uh, I have a feeling that you might know half of uh, what I'm going to be discussing today. And, of course, I'll have some other stuff thrown in there as well. But uh, this is going to be mostly talking about sports because there's a couple of things, you know, some sports stories that are going around that are kind of uh, in my radar and or on my radar, I should say. And, you know, kind of uh, I've been forming an opinion over the past couple of weeks or so. And, uh, you know, this is my show, so I can do whatever I want. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about sports today, so that's what we're going to do. So first things first, I want to talk a little bit about the Mookie Betts trade. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Mookie Betts is a 27-year-old outfielder for the Boston Red Sox who won the Nat- uh, American League MVP a couple of years ago. Uh, he's got a World Series championship in 2018, although depending on where you're from, that might be slightly tainted. But... Um, that's a that's a topic for another day. But Mookie is one of those guys that comes along once in a great while who has uh what they what they refer to as a five tool player. You know, meaning he can hit, he can hit for power, he can hit for average, he can, you know, field, you know, he's really good in the outfield, he's very good defensively. Uh he can steal the ball, I mean, steal the ball. Steal bases like he's got, you know, all the all the tools you're looking for in uh, a prospect. And he just won his arbitration case. He's making $27.5 million. And the Red Sox have offered him a 10-year, $300 million deal, and he turned it down. Now, there are varying reports that Mookie's looking for something close to what uh, Mike Trout got. And Mike Trout uh, is a guy who, although I hate the fact that this happens every year, he has since he's been in the league, has finished either first or second in MVP voting, despite the fact that they've never his team has never, ever won a playoff game. And his in his entire career, they've only been to the playoffs once. So I don't understand how you can be value, so valuable, but never brought a championship to your team, never, you know, never, uh, really never even had a, a winning record aside from a couple of seasons. And they had one really good season where they won 93 out of 162 games. And they just got crushed in the playoffs. They got swept right out. Um, I don't understand how he gets that, but he just signed a, this massive, you know, four hundred plus million dollar deal. And um, most folks equate him and say he's the best player in baseball. Um, he is very good. Don't get me wrong. He's very good. He he's another five tool player. You know, he's he's a guy who's excellent. But you know, if you can't plan on him being around in the postseason, I don't understand what the what the big deal is. I would trade him for a couple of uh, very good players who would help you win a championship as opposed to just keeping him around and 
wallowing in mediocrity or you know finishing in fifth place every year out of in your in your five team division but hey that's me i have very strong feelings about you know mike trout winning the mvp every year or finishing second every year especially after he beat mookie a few years ago and uh, his team won 77 games so they won less than half they were 77 and i think 85 and the red sox won 93 games and made the playoffs i don't know i don't understand how he could be more valuable but it's because they go uh in baseball they go by one specific statistic and it's wins above replacement so how much better you are than you know the next player up and granted this statistic he is uh he's historically high but you know they should go by something else because you know how valuable can you be if your team finishes you know in third, fourth, fifth place every year and misses the playoffs. So that's just my opinion. But uh, Mookie was looking for something similar to what uh, Mike Trout got, you know, somewhere in the $400 million range, 10 years. And the Red Sox just weren't comfortable doing that. Now, the Red Sox ownership has been saying that they want to get under the luxury tax. So in baseball, uh, unlike other sports, you know, like hockey, football, basketball, you have a, a salary cap where you can't spend over X amount of dollars for your team. But then, you know, certain teams do, and it's like, all right, well, we have this contract, and, you know, the way things are structured is they'll get slightly more now, and it'll put us over the cap, and then we have to pay a, a penalty for going over the, the salary cap. So baseball doesn't have that, but it has a luxury tax because a team like, say, the Dodgers or the Red Sox or the Yankees, you know, teams in huge markets that have these big TV deals, they can spend a lot more money because their ownership has, you know, essentially limitless resources. They can spend a lot more money than a team from, say, Tampa Bay, Kansas City. You know, they're not able to to put forth these huge uh, TV deals, you know, where, like, you know, the Yankees have their own network. You know, the Red Sox, I mean, they have Nesson. Nesson is, you know, all of New England sports, but... That's essentially where every single Red Sox game is. So it's tough uh, for these other teams to compete. So, you know, the baseball instituted a, a uh, luxury tax. I think it's once you hit a hundred, uh, $200 million for your payroll. And that is a lot, especially considering there's only uh, there's 25 guys on the team. And, you know, there are certain guys that are going to make, you know, 25, 30 million. You know, that's that seems to be the going right now for the superstar players. It's going up and up. So now you, you'll see guys making $25, 30000000 million. Like if you can get a guy that's, you know, $15 million, you're like, wow, what a bargain, $15 million for, you know, a utility guy who sits on the bench. So uh, the Sox ownership just didn't want to pay it. And so they traded Mookie Betts and David Price, who up until the 2018 playoffs had been absolutely abysmal playing in the playoffs. And he had been uh, a big headache here in Boston. Uh, and that happens a lot. You know, you get these players who come to Boston who maybe can't handle the media scrutiny. You know, they're used to playing in a smaller market or a different market where the fan base maybe isn't quite as invested in the in the product. Um, you know, the on-field product or on-ice product or on-court, you know, what, what have you. And, you know, they kind of give the players a pass because they're not overly invested in the performance of the team. The Red Sox have a very devoted fan base and have forever. Um, it's really the only team I can think of, 
you know, growing up in this area where there was always, you know, support for the team, even if they, you know, they were having some lean years, you know, the park would still sell out because it's still uh, a really good experience going to a Red Sox game. I love going to games. Um, even though it is, it's the smallest stadium in Major League Baseball, Fenway Park, because it's been around for, uh, at this point, 108 years, because it opened in, in 1912. And they've done some renovations, but it's not like some of these huge overhauls, like, you know, with Yankee Stadium or Dodger Stadium or, or any of these other big, you know, uh, these billion-dollar stadiums. Uh, Fenway has just stayed Fenway Park since the Red Sox started playing there in uh, 1908. So, you know, even though it, you have the smallest attendance, you know, the, it's the most expensive. Like, if you want, you know, for a family of four to get hot dogs and, and drinks and tickets, you're looking, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars $400, depending on where you sit. So, uh, like I said, it's a great experience, but, you know, for these these guys who own the team to be sitting there like, oh, well, we really can't pay. And I understand if you don't think that Mookie Betts, you know, at 27 years old, if you don't want to give him a 10-year contract, fine. I get it. I understand. I understand that, you know, paying a guy, you know, who's going to be 37 by the end of this contract, $35 million. Because what if he has an injury? That's the thing with baseball is unlike other sports, baseball contracts are 100% guaranteed. Like the Red Sox are still paying people that they no longer have on their payroll. You know, in July, we have Bobby Bonilla Day because the Mets spread out his contract and they are still playing, paying him, even though he hasn't played for them in about 25 years. Actually, it's probably longer than that. Now that I'm, re- yeah, it's, a, it's about 25 years. I'd have to look it up, but, you know, this is a stream of conscious, consciousness thing, so I haven't you know, planned this out. So not only did they trade Mookie Betts, who was easily their best player. I mean, don't get me wrong. They still have some very good players on the team. They trade Mookie Betts, and then they trade David Price, who, like I said, was a really good pitcher, especially in 2018. He's had some good regular seasons, but he's had some questionable injuries, and I've questioned whether or not he really wants to compete and really wants to go out there and really cared about playing in Boston. Um Although, you know, the seven-year, $210 million contract he signed, or two seventeens because he was making $31 million a year, you know, I don't think that really dissuaded him from, you know, going out there and giving him his, giving his all. Uh, but anyways, that's, that's beside the point. Um, they even, the Red Sox even paid half of uh, Price's salary, and in return, they get a couple of prospects and a guy with a stress fracture in his back. Like, he literally has a stress fracture in his spine. So you basically traded away your best player and one of your best pitchers. or you, In the last few years, your most reliable pitcher um, for nothing. Like, originally, there was a, it was a three-team trade, and the, twi- the Twins got involved. And the Red Sox were going to get this kid uh, from the Twins who is 21 years old, has this really weird, janky throwing motion that's already caused him to have a couple of surgeries. And they're like, oh, we want him to do this, and we think he can do that. And, you know, despite all the medical 
uh, uh, reports and all the evidence to the contrary. And then when they started getting backlash, they were like, oh, wait, oh, hold on here. Let me hold up this trade because this, uh, oh, we didn't know about this, even though everyone knew about it. Like, everyone knew about this. Like, radio personalities, like, this wasn't like some sort of trick or this, you know, this wasn't hidden somewhere where no one could see what it was. You know, no one could find out that this kid had some serious issues with his his elbow and his shoulder because of, A, how hard he throws and the weird motion that he had, you know, really straining his arm. Uh, it's it's really uh, disappointing as a Red Sox fan to see that type of return. Now, I, again, I get it. You didn't want to pay him this much money. You didn't want to give him all this stuff. And, you know, the ownership keeps coming out and saying, hey, well, you know, we're still paying $195 million. Oh, we're still putting out a lot of money, so we're going to have a good team. It's like, well, you might be spending all that money, but you got to think about where that money is going. You're paying a couple of guys who are no longer here who had just the absolute worst contracts because they couldn't stay on the field. Guys like Ruzne Castillo or uh, Hanley Ramirez, who ended up getting caught up in some kind of, like, drug. I don't, I don't I never really got into the uh, the specifics, but just out of nowhere, they just outright released him. But they're still paying him. Pablo Sandoval, who was a big guy to begin with, you know, and he won three championships with the San Francisco Giants, and the Red Sox signed him because they needed a third baseman. He was a big guy, but he was athletic. He moved around really well. He gained so much weight that at one point he took a swing during a game and his belt broke. Like, he just gained so much weight he couldn't play, and they were paying him like $18, $19 million a year, and I think he played pff, 25, 30 games. Like, it might not, it might have been a little more than that, but he, it was, it would be like if you, if you uh, bought a, a, a brand new Ferrari and then, decided that uh, you just wanted to absolutely, like, trash it. And you just started driving it off-road and then drove it into a lake. I mean, you're still paying for it. Your insurance isn't going to cover it because it was you being stupid. So that's that's essentially what they did with those contracts. So I was uh, unhappy with that. I liked the signings at the time because the Red Sox had Hanley back in their farm system a long time ago. And... Sandoval was, you know, I know he had a weight issue, you know, and believe me, I'm not, you know, throwing stones at anybody, but, you know, if you're a professional athlete and you look the way he did, um, you know, I think he just, he got his money and he stopped caring. He'd already won three championships. He had already gotten a World Series MVP. What else did he have to play for? He was guaranteed $88 million, so he just... uh went on his way and, and ate his way out of Boston and eventually ate his way right out of the league. So, I mean, the red, this specific Red Sox management does have a history of making bad choices when it comes to these bloated contracts, but I mean, it's not the player's fault. The players are just out there. Whatever. If somebody's going to offer you that type of deal, you're going to take it. Like it's not, it's not your fault, but you should at least attempt to live up to your contract. And I don't think Sandoval did that. However, Mookie has been. I mean, he's not the best in the playoffs, but he's still pretty damn good. Um, he does struggle at times, but he comes through when, you know, when they needed him to. He did have a big home run in the World Series. 
Um, and he's excellent in the regular season. So <laughs> to get rid of your best player for pennies on the dollar is kind of frustrating to me. But, I mean, I still think this Red Sox team has enough talent and enough skill, uh, especially where they just signed a really good defensive outfielder, a guy by the name of Kevin Pillar, really good in center field. Um, they also have Jackie Bradley Jr., who's a really good defensive player. I personally, if you're really hell-bent on getting below the, uh, the the salary cap threshold there, um, I would have, or not the salary cap, but the luxury tax threshold, I would have not re-signed him. Uh, I would have let him go and then signed Kevin Pillar, kept Mookie Betts, uh, see what you can get for David Price. You know, but the way they handled it, I think, was poor. And, you know, for them to say, oh, yeah, it was a really good deal. We got a lot back. You know, we're we're really excited. We're really happy with this trade. It's like, uh, I don't see how you can say that with a straight face. Just tell us the truth. Tell us what you what you really wanted. You wanted to cut payroll, and that was a good way to do it. I mean, they're still paying Dustin Pedroia, who is, who's played like nine games in the last three years because of uh, various injuries. And don't get me wrong, I really like Pedroia. He's one of my favorite players. But, you know, that that contract has kind of hamstrung them, you know, because that's $16 million that, you know, could be spent elsewhere. That's $16 million, and that $11 million could have gone to pay Mookie Betts. That's 27 of the 27 and a half he was due this year. So right there, you've saved all your money that you could have uh, could have uh, used on him. So that's I I think that's enough about Mookie. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, Tom Brady though. So I, I, if anyone who knows me knows that I am not a Patriots fan, and uh, watching Patriots fans over the past twenty years during this dynastic run that the Patriots have had, you know, it just reminds me about how. You know what this town and what the the general vibe of uh, Massachusetts was when uh, Brady started. Like Bledsoe got hurt, and everyone's like, "Oh, who's this Brady kid? Oh, he's nobody. Sixth round pick. Oh, he's nobody. He's nobody. He's nobody. Oh, this sucks. Our season's over." And then they ended up winning a Super Bowl that year, and all the sentiment around was, "You know, they never would have won that Super Bowl with Bledsoe." They never would have won that with Bledsoe. Oh, this Brady kid. Oh my God, he's amazing. It's like, oh, can you can you just like, you know, temper your expectations just a little bit? And it turns out, I mean, Brady was excellent. And you know, people will say that. Oh yeah, I knew that back then. No, you didn't. No, because the same people that were saying, oh, we never would have won that with with uh, with Bledsoe, and oh, we got to get rid of Bledsoe now. We got this Brady kid. He's so good. He's so good. With the same people that were saying that Brady sucked and he was nobody because he was a sixth-round pick and the season was over. So, you know, Patriots fans tended to be a little wishy-washy. Like, when they went to the Super Bowl against the Packers in the 95-96 season, you know, before they made it to the Super Bowl, you couldn't pay someone to wear Patriots gear. Then they won the AFC Championship, and there was Patriots gear as far as the eye could see. Everybody had it. Jackets, shirts, sweaters, sweatshirts, hats, gloves, mittens, stickers on their cars, everywhere. Oh, Patriots, yeah, I'm a lifelong fan. I love the Patriots. And then they lost in the Super Bowl. It was like, oh, uh, and they complained, and you never saw. All that stuff got put into storage. You never saw any of it again. 
there was one person I knew who was a hardcore Patriots fan, and his name was Bob McCluskey, and I played football with him. He was the only one to believe in the Patriots all the time. So, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of funny where now we're uh, we're seeing the downturn of Brady's career, you know, and there are rumors linking him to a couple of different teams, but the one that concerns me the most is the Raiders. I am a Raiders fan. I have been since I've been like five years old, so coming up on three and a half decades, uh, I've been a Raiders fan. So when I say I don't want Tom Brady on my team, uh, I don't want Tom Brady on my team. You can take that to the bank. Like I will not, I will not change my mind. If somehow he ends up going to the Raiders and leading them to a championship, I'll say, you know what, I was wrong, but I don't want him on my team. He's going to be 43 before the season starts, and he would be replacing a 27, 28-year-old kid in uh, Derek Carr, who, despite the fact that he you know, didn't have a number one receiver last year and he had to keep throwing to a tight end who was in prison you know, shortly before the season started, and a rookie running back that you know, people thought were going to be, was going to be good, but no one really knew, uh, he set career highs in passing yards, set career highs in uh, yards per attempt, and completion percentage. All of those numbers were better than Brady. And now they're talking about giving Brady two years, $60 million? No, I don't want a 43, 44, 45-year-old quarterback on my team. Like, first of all, the last time anybody even remotely close to that old played in the game was Steve DeBerg, and he played like a 44-year-old quarterback. Like, he shouldn't have been in the game, but I think it was the Falcons he played for. Uh, there was, they. I guess they had no choice. You know, there's no reason that anyone outside of of, you know, New England should want Brady on their team. You know, and it's funny because you hear all these these uh, people talking for, for years about Brady. Oh, no one can do more with less. No one can do more with less. Oh, Brady's so great. No one can do more with less. Oh, if Brady had Peyton Manning's weapons, oh, just look out. Look at what he could do. You know, imagine if that happened. And then Brady got Peyton Manning's weapons, you know, in that 2007 season, and we saw what they could do, and then they lost in the Super Bowl. So... You know, it would be argued that it would be he's better off with less. You know, and he he takes guys that are nobody. Like Julian Edelman was a friggin' quarterback at Texas Tech. Wes Welker, who was he? He was nobody. He was nobody with the charge. He was nobody with the Dolphins. Chris Hogan, all these, you know, five nine white guys that weigh 160 pounds that are shifty and can get open across the middle. Like Brady has made his living with those guys. You know, it doesn't hurt that he had the greatest tight end of all time on his team. But all of a sudden, this year, well, Brady doesn't have any weapons. He doesn't have any weapons. Look what's around him. Oh, my God, he doesn't have anybody to throw to. It's like, well, as far as I'm concerned, he still has James White, who set a Super Bowl record for uh, catches. Uh, They still have reigning Super Bowl MVP at the time, obviously, Julian Edelman. They asked him, who do you want? Do you want... Emmanuel Sanders or Mohamed Sanu. It's going to cost the same to go out and get them. It's going to cost a second-round pick. Who do you want? And he said, I want Mohamed Sanu. I've want Mohamed Sanu forever. And they get Mohamed Sanu, and he is a complete disaster. You know, speaking of complete disasters, after the Raiders got rid of uh, Antonio Brown for being a fucking idiot, uh, he goes to the Patriots and then has one game, and everyone... 
And this is the thing that really drives me nuts is everyone all year, Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. Then they get Antonio Brown. Oh, they're going undefeated. They're going 17-0. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Nobody can stop them. No one can beat them. They're untouchable. They're unstoppable. No one can beat them. Oh, look at this defense. This is the greatest defense in the history of the league. Well, yeah, you're really good on defense when you're beating up on shitty teams. Like, that's the other thing that, like, the Patriots were 8-0. and oh, oh, my God, look how good they are. Yeah, because they're playing against garbage teams. You know, they're playing against the Dolphins and the Bengals, you know, two two teams that nobody expected to do anything. But all year, everyone's just ranting about how great this team is and how amazing they are. And it's like, are you watching this game? Are you watching any of their games? Because if the opponent scores more than 17 points, they lose every time. Every single game that their opponent has scored more than 13. So if the defense doesn't play lights out, over the top, out of their mind, then the Patriots can't win because they can't score. They had more trick plays and gadget plays and misdirection type plays this year than I've ever seen them run, ever. And they were doing it like opening quarter, you know, opening drives. You know, if you have to result, you know, uh, resort to trickery and deception, you know, in order to get points, there's probably an issue with your offense. You know, and so everyone's like, well, you know, now Brady doesn't have any weapons. He can't do this. And, you know, they didn't do anything to help him. It's like, well, no, Belichick drafted a a receiver for the first time in 25 years, drafted a receiver in the first round. They went out and they got Antonio Brown. Excuse me, Antonio Brown. They went out and they got Mohamed Sanu. I don't understand what else what else you want. You know, everything Brady wanted, they went out and got but you can't keep a guy like Antonio Brown on your team when he's, you know, threatening people who are, uh, you know, have filed sexual assault lawsuits. You can't, you know, start and threatening them over text. So it's not like it's even remotely hidden. You know, the videos that he posts to Instagram of him, you know, threatening police and threatening the mother of his children. That's not someone else. That's not, you know, body cam footage. That's not somebody down the street taking a video that was him on Instagram live showing the world, hey, this is what I want you to see. So, no, you can't expect a guy like that to contribute to your team. And they got rid of Josh Gordon because, you know, apparently they knew that he was he was going to get popped for something, and he did a few weeks later. But they had uh, Jacob Hollister. They traded him away. You know, they, they talked about how they didn't have a tight end. They traded away Jacob Hollister, and he came, became one of the most reliable tight ends in the league after going to Seattle. So I don't understand what the big deal is. You know, he had the opportunity. He had the, the players around him. He just couldn't do it anymore because he was 42. Like, no one's taking that into account. Everyone's like, oh, he doesn't have any weapons. He's 42 fucking years old. Like, I get the fact that he's you know, performed on a level that, you know, we have never seen before. Like, his longevity and, like, he was MVP a couple of years ago. He won a Super Bowl last year. Like, the guy's really fucking good. No one's disputing that. But, you know, father time is undefeated, I think, is what the uh, what the, the saying is. It's like, you might think you could play till you're 45, but, you know, time says no. Like, the game is moving past him. Taking out the last game that they lost against uh, Miami, the three teams that he lost against, he lost against the Texans, 
he lost against uh, the Ravens and he lost against the she- the Chiefs. The Chiefs. All three of those teams had MVP candidate running quarterbacks, guys who are dual threats. The, that's where the game is moving to. Guys who just sit in the pocket. And again, Brady's really fucking good at that, you know, sensing pressure, but he can't roll out and, you know, escape escape a, a lineman charging down on him, you know, duck, dodge, twist and turn, and then zip the ball 60 yards downfield. He was never that player. You know, he's not a guy like Lamar Jackson or, or uh, Pat Mahomes or uh, Deshaun Watson. He's not going to do any of that stuff. So I think it's time that, you know, if the Patriots want to keep him, let him, you know, he can stay, but I don't, I don't want him on the Raiders. I don't, I don't think he's worth the $30 million. And think about this. The Patriots didn't want to pay him coming off an MVP season in which he won a Super Bowl. That should tell you something. So, all right, that's going to be the end of my sports rant. I'm uh, going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I'll give you uh, some previews of some upcoming stuff that I think you might enjoy. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings! We are the Retro Reductopus Cephala Podcast, a bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. He's right. We wax philosophic about lots of geeky crap like old video games and movies, toys, cartoons. I don't know. Help me out here. Music. Pants. Quoting video games that don't have dialogues. Shabibans. Tasty news. Unnecessarily long Japanese onomatopoeia. Butt breathers. Uncomfortable nature facts. Or how to install a samoplange. And unlike all those other podcasts, we at Retroidocubus have an exciting rotating host schedule. Do we? We sure do. So, if you didn't like the guy flapping his gums this week, like me, worry not, gentle listener. Next week, we'll have a whole new host. Of problems. Hey, they might still suck, but they'll suck differently. And you know what's really cool? Retroidocubus is part of the Dorkening and Inebriar podcast networks with new episodes every Tentacle Tuesday. Which is like every other Tuesday. We named it. Anyways, you can listen to us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast player cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all things that make growing up awesome. You're going to need a bigger boat. And I'm back. Thank you for uh, sticking through that uh, sports rant. I know it might not have been uh, exactly the uh, type of show you were expecting this week, but uh, you know what? I really wanted to uh, to talk about this stuff. It's been something that's bothering me, and you can tell from uh, how fired up I got by some on you know some of these subjects. But I just wanted to uh, kind of touch on this, and you know, try to do something a little different. Um, 
you know, I, obviously I haven't done this on any of the other shows I've been on, so I kind of wanted to uh, do something crazy. So that uh, that's what I did. So uh, coming up, there are some uh, there are some really cool things that the Darkening Network is doing. Um, Leo, Phil from Dark Discussions, and myself are going to be doing a uh, twice a month. Uh, or every other week, so sometimes it's three three times a month, depending on the month. Uh, every other week, we're going to be doing a uh, an indie horror uh, or an indie film type of uh, podcast. So we'll be talking with actors and directors, and you know, discussing films and whatnot. Uh, I don't know if we have a name for it yet, but uh, it's going to be pretty cool. And obviously, as you know, this is something that I'm very passionate about, so that's something that uh, I'm excited for. And keep checking out uh, Throwdown Thursday because uh, there is a big contest coming up that's going to span all, uh, I would say, uh, seven or eight shows on the Dorkening. And there's going to be a lot of really cool Castlevania prizes. So if you are a Castlevania fan, definitely check that out. Um, I don't know if I'll be doing anything with that on here, but I will certainly be guiding you to the right spots in which to... uh, to check out the uh, the different uh, shows and what the subject matter is going to be. I know on Throwdown Thursday we're going to be talking about some of the Belmont characters, you know, the uh, main protagonists. Um, this week, though, on Throwdown Thursday, we're going to be discussing some of your favorite serial mascots in conjunction with the gentleman over at Retro Redoctopus. So keep an ear out for that one because that's going to be really cool. And I like doing these uh, like crossover type things. So I think with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to wrap this episode up. But uh, before I go, I'm obviously going to give you my fun shark fact. And uh, this week, uh give you a quick and easy one. Like uh, mostly what happens in the animal kingdom, the female sharks tend to be larger than the male sharks. We see that a lot in the animal kingdom. Uh, I think a lot with fish, especially uh, fish that give live birth. Although I might be completely off on this, but I'm... I'm fairly certain um i know there is a species of fish that actually once once they mate the male uh actually fuses to the female so i'll have to look that up find out what that is because i don't remember it off the top of my head but yeah uh, female sharks are generally larger than male sharks like if you take a look at the largest great white deep blue she's uh 20 25 feet and uh yeah, it's a female, and they, they're estimating she's about 70 years old. So that's pretty cool. So I think with uh, that being said, I'll go ahead and bring this episode to a close. And just remember, I may be the podcaster, but as the listener, you are my chum. Have a great week, folks. <laughs>